Here we are, guys, just a day away from opening day baseball here in Philadelphia. Everybody is fired up for the Phillies. It's good to have that feeling back in town again, something we haven't felt in this town for at least seven years. I'm Anthony Sanfilippo. He's Bob Wankel. This is Crossed Up. Thanks for joining in for the latest podcast. And, Bob, I know everybody in town cannot wait, cannot wait for opening day. And now some people might be listening to this after opening day, but we are recording it uh, on Tuesday evening, two days before opening day. It'll come out tomorrow. It'll come out on Wednesday, so it'll come out a day before. Uh, and and just the, 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 the temperature that you could just feel in this city is something that we haven't felt in a long, long time. And that's kind of cool. It, whether whether you think the Phillies are going to be a, a playoff team, win the division, go to the World Series, or you're a negative Nancy and think that they're not going to do anything and just going to be a little bit better than they were last year, regardless, you have to love the fact that baseball is on the brain of and, and in the, the city's conscious again. Tried to do it last year where we were like, this team could maybe make the playoffs if everything breaks right. And I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that the Phillies are reaching the postseason this year. But this is, like you said, the first time in seven seasons where we can honestly look at this thing and say, there's a pretty good chance that they could be playing come mid-October. And that is really exciting. And obviously after Bryce Harper signs, there was a little bit of a lull, I think, in March. You know, like there's this hysteria over signing Bryce Harper. It's like, oh my God, they went out, they did it. They have this stacked lineup. Here come the Phillies. They're going to mow through the National League East. And we're all fired up. And then that that kind of that wave of excitement sort of dies down a little bit, and then you still have three three weeks of spring training baseball to kind of get through, you know. And so now here we are; it's the week of we're, we're a day or two away, and I feel it. Like I'm genuinely excited. I can't wait to see what Citizens Bank Park looks like with a capacity crowd on Thursday. I can't wait to see the ovation for Bryce Harper. Uh, I can't wait to see how they receive Gabe Kapler. And I can't wait to see how the team plays on the field. I'm, I'm truly looking forward to this, and it's the most excited I've been, and like you said, probably since 2011. Yeah, and, and, and there's reason to believe. Um, you know, everybody, everybody knows why. Everybody can see the reasons why, all the additions that the, that the Phillies made. Uh, the one area that we have a concern we talked about on the last episode was the starting rotation. And since we last uh, talked, Bob, a couple of guys, granted, just spring training, just spring training. But a couple of guys have looked pretty decent um, in, in spring training. Nick Pavetta, uh, Jake Arietta, Zach Eflin specifically um, really look good. And that, that has <laughs> to give you a little bit of hope. You, uh, I noticed you left out a name there. Well, you want me to be? You want me to lie about the guy? I mean, he did not look good in spring training. What do you want me to tell you? No, he didn't. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, He's actually going to probably start the season as the as an extra bullpen arm because they don't really need a fifth starter right away, right? So I eagerly await for his debut. And if if you don't know who we're talking about, of course, we're talking about Vince Velasquez. So uh, yeah, yeah. that, I, well, I'll save that for my bold yeah. prediction. I'll save that for my bold prediction later on. Um, but anyway, no. But nevertheless, those guys, you know, Arietta's last start was just it was nasty. I mean, he looked good. Yeah, Monday <laughs> against the Rays, he goes six innings, uh, allows uh, six hits, two earned runs, eight strikeouts, no walks. And, I mean, the ball was dancing. Um, it was like one of those things I think actually MLB tweeted it out from their official account, like, 
look at this. You know, I mean, the ball just it fell off a table as it approached the plate. Uh, sinker looks good. You, you know, we've talked about Ariette in the past, and we say he makes one lights-out pitch, and then he leaves a fat one over the plate, and he gets hurt. Uh, but he really does appear to be he seems like he's much further ahead than he was this time last year. And obviously that makes sense. He got into camp late a season ago and, and he never really found his footing, but it's, it's interesting. Start to start with him. He was so bad. Uh, not his last time out, but the time before that, but then he was really good on Monday and I kind of go, okay, well, you know, maybe he can give us that, that two, three, you know, starter pr- production. And, and that's the hope here. No, and absolutely. I think we're allowed absolutely. to be hopeful right now, right? Yeah, no, hopeful. you should be. You should be because, because I mean, the lineup is is going to be so good, and we're going to get into the lineup in a little bit. Um, and and the bullpen is is better. There's no doubt about it. With Robertson back there now, and, and you're going to have a full season of Dominguez, and you know, Naris, you know, showed in the second half last year that he found his found his stuff again. Um, so so you think the bullpen will be slightly better, and and you just need the starting pitching to kind of hold up, and, and you know that's so that's the one area though you sit here and cross your fingers, um, and just hope. Uh, but at the beginning, you know, going into the season, there's no reason to think that Aaron Nola won't be Aaron Nola, and then you gotta like the tune-ups that these guys had just before the season for your next three guys in the rotation. They they looked good. They looked like a two, three, and a four. Um, um, should be on a contender. So, uh, so yeah. So I mean, there, there's definitely reason for hope with this team at this point. And I think the biggest reason for hope is because of the lineup. And now we have what we believe will be the opening day lineup. So let's, I, you know, let's roll through this real quick and let's see what we're looking at here and uh, get your thoughts on it. Uh, I like the lineup, uh, but I definitely want to hear from you about this. So we're going to have Andrew McCutcheon leading off. We'll play left field. Uh, Gene Segura will play shortstop, uh, hitting second. Harper in right field, hitting third. Hoskins at first base, hitting fourth. JT Romuto behind the plate, hitting fifth. Udubel Herrera in center field, hitting sixth. Cesar Hernandez in the seventh spot, playing second base. Mike Alfranco at third, hitting eighth. And then Aaron Nola pitching and batting ninth. Um, anything jump out about you, uh, this lineup to you? I mean, do you see anything here where you go, okay, like, it, I, I like this, I don't like that? Anything that you kind of question? Yeah, the one you, the only thing that I would, re- would really question, the lineup is fine. I mean, it really is. And, and for me to sit here and be this nitpicky about what I'm about to be nitpicky about is kind of, you know, it's kind of unfair. But um, I, I would flip Franco and Hernandez um, only because, you know, you want your number eight hitter in front of a pitcher to be a little bit more of a selective hitter because um, they're probably not going to get a lot to hit knowing the pitcher's coming up behind them. Um, in that vein, I'd rather have Hernandez batting before the pitcher instead of Franco, um, and at least at least let other teams have to put, give Franco a couple of pitches every once in a while, knowing that there's a guy behind him who could you know who could still hit the ball and, and still has uh, the ability to get on base you know 37 percent of the time. So um, that would be the only change I would I would really make up front but again like I said that's nitpicky it's the bottom of the order and it's one spot difference between the two um yeah so Hernandez kind of jumped out at me as well I I looked at it and when I went through the lineup I said well maybe he should be in the six hole and he could kind of set the table all over again once you get past Real Muto for guys like Herrera and Franco but the more I look at it and the the spring and really the last week that Odubel Herrera had, I mean, he flashed, you know, big time extra base hit potential. And you back up a, a guy like Real Muto with Herrera and if he can give you the production that he gave the Phillies in 2015, 16, 17 and for the first two months of last season, 
that's a hell of a hitter from the left side to protect Real Muto. So I do understand bumping him up to six and really not using Hernandez as much of, as a, a table-setting option because I think you want to try to maximize the run production in the middle of that lineup there. And you figure that guys like Harper are going to be on base a lot. Uh, Hoskins certainly going to be on base a lot. Real Muto going to be on base a lot. And so when you have a guy like Herrera there that, that does have that RBI potential, um, you get him out of the leadoff spot, you get him out of the three, you, you hit him down at the six, I think that takes some of the pressure off of him. I think that that's a spot in which he could probably thrive, frankly. So I like Herrera in the six. I, I can't disagree with you about Hernandez or Franco, uh, you know, flipping them seven and eight. But at this point, I, I'm not going to get crazy about that. Uh, but I, I, I like this lineup. It's a really solid lineup. When you actually see what it looks like on paper on opening day, you go, damn, there's not a lot of holes in this thing. And if Cesar Hernandez returns to the player that he was prior to hurting his foot last season, even if he's that, um, this, is a, this is a very deep, uh, very strong lineup. Yeah, I mean the the only the only thing that you the only, um, and, and I don't know maybe maybe it'll be different against a, a guy like Scherzer. But if if you go, I'm just just spitballing, right? You got a, a big tough righty who's who's really dominant all around, but especially against right-handed batters, to have four of your first five hitters be right-handed could be you know could could well be an issue. But I wonder if in a matchup like that, if you're going against a Scherzer, um. Or even a guy, you know, like you know, he's. I know he's going to start the season hurt, but even like a, a Fultonevich, who's really nasty against right-handers, um, uh, you know, maybe you throw a lefty up at the top and and or you know switch hitter up at the top and and you drop somebody. Yeah, I mean, down. I think that I mean, there's I definitely some flexibility here. Yeah. There's some options here. I think Cesar Hernandez is going to hit at the top of the order at times this season. Uh, I do think there's some things that they can do that way. Yeah. Um, so. The other thing that kind of jumps out at me, other than Bryce Harper in the three-hole, who absolutely owns the hair, and I don't know if you've seen the numbers uh, coming into this, but he's 18 for 40 against him lifetime. He's a 450 <laughs> hitter, three doubles, eight homers, 19 RBI, add on an 11, another 11 walks, a 1.702 OPS lifetime uh, against him. So... I know that the fans are going to be cheering for Bryce Harper before the game, and if those numbers hold up, I mean, they're going to be cheering for him again very early on, perhaps his first <laughs> at bat. Uh, so that's something that certainly jumps off the page. And then I really like Andrew McCutcheon in the leadoff spot. This is something that I wrote about on CrossingBroad.com last week, uh, and I like him in the leadoff spot for a few reasons. I know that they had a couple different options. There were a few different theories out there about how to best maximize this lineup. But I look at McCutcheon's on-base skills, and if you look at it a year ago, 368 on-base percentage is very solid. He still has excellent pitch selection. Last year, his out-of-strike zone swing rate was 19.4%. That was the second best in baseball behind only Joey Votto, who was at 16.4%. He doesn't swing at pitches outside of the strike zone, and I think that that's something that you certainly want in a leadoff hitter. He still has a little bit of pop. He still, you know, is a dangerous hitter, but his ability to get on base, I think, is a significant plus at the top of this thing. 95 walks a season ago, 13.9% walk rate, even though he doesn't have the premier power that he did four or five years ago. And here's the other thing. Forget the on-base aspect of it. This is something else that people aren't looking at. You have Segura behind him. You have Bryce Harper behind him, Reese Hoskins, JT, JT Romuto. It's like pick your poison. You do not want to face those hitters with men on base. And so what are you going to do when you don't want to face hitters with men on base? You're going to throw what? 
You're going to throw fastballs. fastballs. Hell yeah, you're going to throw fastballs. And last season, McCutcheon handled the hard stuff. He struggled a little bit against sliders, 453 OPS. Struggled against changeups, 649 OPS. But he absolutely raked against four seamers last year, 946 OPS and a 997 OPS against sinkers. So if you attack Andrew McCutcheon, that should bode well for the Phillies. And so I think that they're doing a great thing in terms of his pitch selection, his on-base production, and then his ability to hit hard, aggressive pitching, that is something that I don't think can be overlooked. And so I love McCutcheon in the one. Um, I'm very, very excited about the potential of this offense. Yeah, no, that's 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 good data that you brought out there uh, on McCutcheon. Um, and I don't disagree. I think that that's I think he fits into that role nicely. Um, I think what people have to remember is is he's not the Andrew McCutcheon that he was when he won the MVP, you know, six years ago. Uh, he's a little bit different of a player. Um, and as he, as players get older, uh, you know, they're going to do things a little bit differently. And that's you know, obviously he could still get around on that fastball. And, you know, and like you had mentioned, some of those breaking pitches, maybe you know, he struggles a little bit with, but. You know, it, he he does have such a good eye that you, you you can't really fool around too much with that against him, knowing what's coming up behind him. And you know, Segura's an absolute, you know, he's a hit machine. Uh, and then you got and then you got Harper, and then Hoskins, and then real and then real Muto. I mean, so like you like you said, you can't really you could try maybe one or two pitches and try and get him to chase a little bit, but. If if McCutcheon is the wise old Al at the top of the lineup and and uh, really is selective and controls that strike zone, man, yeah, you know the Phillies lineup could be really really good. And it, it's going to be really good. It's not even could be. It's going to be really good. So I mean that's that's why so many people are so caught up, you know, in the fervor of this team, um, and it's really <laughs> mo- mostly because of, because of that because the lineup is going to hit. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, caught up in the fervor of this team. I like how you said that. Uh, the Phillies are a minus 175, a strong minus 175 on the money line. Uh, in this opening day contest. Now, I don't really like to get into the business of predicting baseball games. There's 162 games in a season. You see good teams lose on opening day all the time. You have any thoughts about this game in, in particular? I mean, do you think that the Phillies come out and they just rock right from the jump? I know that really historically they seem to kind of struggle in the opener, uh, or at least it feels that way in my lifetime. Uh, didn't really go through the trouble to look it up. I don't care that much. But at minus 175, do you look at that line and say, uh, it's telling me probably all I need to know. The Phillies are gonna are gonna win this game, or do you look at it and go, oh boy, you know this seems like a sucker bet. Yeah, well, I mean, I I think that you're gonna see that because the Phillies have have drawn so much interest um, around the country for what they did this off season. And if you go anywhere, anywhere, any website you go to, you're gonna see Phillies are predicted to either win the division, you know, win the National League, get the World Series. At the very least, be a wild card. I mean, almost everybody is picking them to win, and so there's a lot of belief in this team. And so, therefore, what you're going to see is you're going to see some odds that may be a little bit more skewed than you would expect. Um, and does that mean that they're always going to be a sucker bet? No, but does that mean that they're going to be a sucker bet more often than you would than maybe they have been in past years? Yes, um, because that's what's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of money bet on the Phillies on individual games, 
and and that's going to bend that line a little bit. And, and I think yeah. that that'll happen across the board by the yeah. general public everywhere, but specifically yeah. here in New Jersey. Obviously, DraftKings Sportsbook, FanDuel, these books that are legal in New Jersey are going to get a lot of local action, and I think that that's going to pump up the number as well. But I, I definitely raised an eyebrow when I saw that line. I said, damn, 175. Well, that's, that's it's strong. Interesting. Well, it is, and and so it's it's interesting that you mentioned that, Bob. I think we were, you know, we were looking at this, you know, just before we uh, started to hit, you know, before we hit record. Didn't you say that it was uh, DraftKings that has them at eighty nine wins for the season? Yeah, and uh, I kind of want to hold off on this a little bit until we get into more of the the season preview or the general overview. But yeah, the Phillies are at eighty nine on DraftKings right, right now. Right. Whereas if you look at Caesars, which is based out of Vegas, they're at eighty three. Yeah. So and we'll and we'll get into that, but I'm just saying that that just that just goes to show yeah, definitely that how much point. local action does play into it a little bit, right? Um, so yeah, so I mean, yeah, look, definitely it, a justified favorite in this game, though. I mean, Aaron oh, I agree. On the mound and and he was very good against the Braves. I mean, he was very good against everybody last season, but he was uh, two and two and five starts with a two three zero ERA. He averaged a little over six innings per start, and he held the Braves lineup to a one eighty five batting average against. So. Uh, you, you know, you have, I think, arguably a top three pitcher in the National League on the mound. You have this new potent lineup. You have the buzz in the stadium. And and I really think, honestly, if I were Gabe Kapler, I know it's game one of 162, and I, I don't know that you can really sell the revenge factor of things. But if I were the Phillies, I'd be very motivated. Not that I need additional motivation for this game, considering how electric that play should be. But at the same time, I mean, the Braves wiped away the Phillies a season ago. And uh, if I were them, I'd feel like, hey, we owe them one. So, yeah. you know, it, it's a really interesting start to the season. And the Phillies are also going to see two rookie pitchers later in the series on Saturday and Sunday as well. I really would like to see the Phillies, and I guess this goes without saying, but I really would like to see the Phillies come out and kind of establish this is a different deal. We are a much different team, a much different offense that you're going to have to deal with, rather than what we saw last year in which the Braves just, in the beginning of the season, they just, at first my read was, how could the Phillies keep losing to this mediocre Braves team? And little did I know that they would go on to win the NL East. And this time I'd like to see the Phillies turn the tables early on and kind of you know slay the dragon, so to speak. Yeah, I, here's the thing, though. There's the one, the one thing I want to... I want to be careful with is that it's easy to get overhyped and it's easy to get overhyped as a player, let alone for fans. Um, you know, it's not like Terran's chopped liver here. I mean, there's the, the Phillies definitely have an advantage on the mound with Nola. Um, but to Heron, to a decent pitcher. Um, and to, to, you know, to just assume that the, this lineup's going to come out, uh, and just rock him, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't necessarily know if that's the case. And all of a sudden, now if you're in a in a close game, um, then it really comes down to a number of other factors that don't even, you know, have don't have anything to do with Aaron Nola or Julio Tehran. Yeah, so, I mean the Braves, the Braves lineup somewhat similar to what it was a year ago, and so I can kind of take Nola's numbers and project them onto this season. Whereas the Phillies lineup is completely different, but even a season ago, I mean, Teheran had four starts against the Phillies. He had a five one four ERA, so he he wasn't great against a pretty bad Phillies offense a season ago. Again, we're talking about a single game. It, it, it's really hard to get into specifics, especially when you consider the emotional aspect of what's going to play out on Thursday. So if if you're betting on the game, I mean, you're just doing it because you like the Phillies and you you say, hey, let me see if I can make a couple extra bucks. But really, getting involved in terms of a, a financial 
uh, risk. I, I wouldn't recommend doing that. No, no, I, I would certainly either. not on but, this game. But yeah, yeah. so but, but I'm going to give you just. I mean, yes, Teheran against the Phillies last year struggled, but overall he had a nice season. I mean, oh, one point one point one seven whip in 176 innings. You know, I mean, yeah, he didn't get the wins because they didn't. <laughs> he yeah, didn't he would argue strong enough be games, the but. Phillies' second or third best pitcher if he were on the staff. So, no question, yeah. no question. With a one point one seven WHIP, probably two. He would it's probably amazing be the that he's pitcher. only twenty eight years old. I mean, it feels like he's been around for fifteen seasons now. Well, he came. He came up as a twenty year old rookie yeah. when yeah. he first when he first came up with the. But I mean, yeah, he. But he's a he's a workhorse. I mean, he just threw, he's an innings eater. He doesn't get hurt. I mean, six straight seasons where he's thrown at least 175 innings. Um, yeah, no, the guys. I I don't th- I don't think that he's you know just oh we're just going to go out there and, and smack the ball around. It, on isn't him. it amazing? I mean, last year we would do our podcast after games on Mondays when they played, and we would react to what we just saw. You know, if the game just wrapped up, we would kind of break it down and, and talk about what it meant and what the team had done recently. I don't think that at any point last season we talked about an upcoming game and tried to break down what we might see. Yeah. You know, like, but that's where I'm at, and I think that that's what's exciting about this, right? Like, the fact that we can talk about this game, and I'll tell you what, like, Thursday, if they win on Thursday, I'm going to be pumped up, man. And if they lose... Like, I know it's one of 162. It's it's not a big deal, you know. But at the same time, I'll, I'll be a little bit deflated if they don't pull it out. You know, yeah, well, I, I'm it, really looking forward set, to this. It sets a tone. Of course it does. I mean, of course it sets a tone. Um, yeah, everybody wants them to win. Of course they want everybody wants them to win. But you're right. I mean, it's one game and it's not the end of the world uh, if, if things don't go as planned. Yeah, and I would expect a sellout on Thursday. I'm very interested to see what the attendance is like uh, the remaining two games of this series. I mean, I know obviously they, they sold a ton of tickets uh, in the wake of the Harper signing, uh, but you should have pretty good weather on Saturday. It looks like the high is going to be around Saturday is going 70, to be beautiful. 72, I think. Saturday so is going to be beautiful. you got a 4.05 start, so I, I think that they'll do pretty well on, on Saturday. And then Sunday is interesting because, you know, you kind of well, – things they, die they down may, a little bit, not, but it's the national game. Yeah, but they might, the, can, I, can I can I say something about that? The weather might not really yeah. cooperate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're supposed to get rain on Sunday, yeah. so we might not get. Yeah. We might not be the national game yeah. Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. But that's a seven o'clock start time on ESPN, and uh, I'm hoping. You know, I think that that's what Arietta in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, Arietta's Arietta yeah. is pitching that game. Yeah, yeah, so I'm hoping that they get that one in, and and that they they put thirty five thousand plus in the seats. It has a chance to be a real fun weekend. So it does. It really does. Which it really was never last season, even when they were winning. It never really felt exciting or fun. And, and right now, it, it just feels like the possibility for fun is there. And Yeah. And so I feel real good about it. Um, all right. So the next thing I want to do is I, I guess I want to get into where we are looking at with the Phillies in terms of what you expect this season, where they stack up in the National League East, where they stack up in the National League. Um, and, and then after we do that, and we'll run through some numbers, over-unders uh, on the win-loss totals. Uh, and then I, I want to get some predictions, some bold predictions from you uh, yep. about the 2019 Phillies. So let's just jump into this real quick. Uh, we'll start with the defending NLEs champs, the Atlanta Braves, uh, over at DraftKings. They're 84 and a half. Uh, that's the over-under on their win total. Um, what, what do you think about that? And we don't have to go too deep into each individual team, but just a quick, you know, do you think the Braves are winning 85-plus games this season? Yeah. Okay. I, would take the, I would take the over. Okay. I would take the over. I think, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to not 
like their team. I mean, yeah, their pitching is a little suspect to start the year, but they have young arms that are there ready to come in and, and, and pitch. Um, you know, there's there's guys who came up last year, Soroka, Tuki Toussaint. Um, who didn't make the uh, opening day roster. Yeah, I Isn't know. that something? Yeah. yeah but, I, but the, I kind of thought he was he was destined to, to be a lock, frankly. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like, they have, it's not like they don't have the arms to uh, come in and, and, and fill in as needed. Um, and you figure Nick Markakis is going to hit 730 against the Phillies again. And <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I really – their lineup is, is dangerous, man. I mean, you add Josh Donaldson into the mix there. You know, I, I know you know, some people say, oh, he's 33 years old now. He's been hurt for a while. You know what? He's going to be – you're going to put him – he's going to bat right in front of Freddie Freeman. You're going to go Enciarte, Donaldson, Freeman, Acuna. It's probably their lineup, and that's a, that's a top – Four that is yeah. Well, we spend all this time talking about the Braves' youth, and then it's Markakis, Brian and, yeah. McCann. <laughs> well, I, I McCann uh, doesn't excite me, but I mean, yeah. but, you know, Ozzy Albies, is, and, yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, you know, they they do have their youth is more um, in, in their rotation and in yeah. their bullpen. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, Acuna is twenty one years old. Albies is twenty two. I mean, Dansby Swanson's technically still young at 25, even though he's not really panned out as a hitter um, just yet. But I still think that there's room for him to be good there. I mean, I they, I don't think that they have holes in the lineup other than maybe, you know, McCann as your starting catcher. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I they've got it. They've got an interesting bullpen. Uh, they've got they can match up with almost anybody. They got three lefties in that pen. Yeah, their bullpen's a little bit uh, dinged up right now to start the season. I actually think that their primary lefty in this series is going to be Johnny Venters. Speaking yeah. of a guy that feels like he's been around for twenty years. Yeah, um, they're well, they're missing AJ Minter. Yeah. Um, so, so it may take them a couple weeks to kind of uh, hit their yeah. stride, but they well, I mean, should be a, obviously a good team. Yeah, I mean, you're I, talking I, about defending champion in a division that was was solid a season ago. Yeah, so. they're missing Fulton Nevich and Gosman in the rotation, and Minter and uh, Darren O'Day, uh, both out of the. They're talking about another veteran guy. Um, uh, out of the, uh, they're on. They're going to be on the injured list, which I got to get used to saying instead of disabled list. I'm really having a hard yeah, time. The with IL. That. Yeah, I'm having a hard time. Not with to that. be mistaken, um, the international league. The other le- <laughs> the other lefties they have in their pen, Jesse Biddle, former Philly uh, prospect, uh, and Max uh, Max Fried, right? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, they got. I mean, you know, they're going to be able to bring somebody out of that pen to face Harper. Um, you know, when in, in late in the game. Uh, so I, I no I like I you know you gave me that number I would take the over for Atlanta. All I right, think, mo- moving yeah. on then. Uh, how about this number? And this is something else. And again, I don't know if this is because DraftKings is based uh, in New Jersey here, and you're going to get a Mets a faction placing these bets. But the Mets total is set at 85 and a half on DraftKings. I don't even know what to make of that. That total actually sort of scares me a little bit. Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, let's uh, you know we talked about very briefly at the beginning about there being disparity between the the books here and uh, on the East Coast and the ones that are out in Vegas. Um, you had the Braves what eighty four and a half, right? Correct. Well, at Caesars it's eighty four. Okay, so that's pretty close. Um, the Mets used to have eighty five and a half out in Vegas, eighty three and a half. Okay. So there's a two, there's a two game difference there. They're still right around the Phillies though. Yeah, I would I would go under. On the Mets at 85 and a half, but just barely. I think that they're about an 83-84 win team. Um, uh, again, wrote good rotation. Um, 
improved the lineup. It's not a great lineup, but it's an improved lineup. I mean, anything has to be better than what they were trotting out last year. They were worse than the Phillies last year, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's kind of hard when, you, when you're when you going to Grom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, one, two, three. I mean, that's a hell of a rotation, man. And even Steven Matz, I mean, I, I know some people are down on him. I, I, I being st- some people, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of I, – I, I think he's okay I for know, that role. I know, you think he's okay. I think he sucks. I, mean, I think I, he's okay for that role. I mean, for the fourth, for the fourth rota- nah. guy, guy in the rotation, I mean, I'm not saying he's an ace, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's terrible. Um, but their lineup, I mean, when you look at it, I mean – I think it's 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 a lot of it's going to be based on how well Pete Alonso fits at first base for them uh, as a as a as a, uh, a rookie. I mean, he's considered their top prospect, and he's going to be in that lineup. Um, uh, but I mean, you know, Cano is Cano. I mean, he can, can we talk about Robinson Cano a little bit? Like, am yeah, I sure. completely underestimating him? I, I he's going into his age thirty six season. I know he hit three hundred for the Mariners last year. I just. I don't know. I mean, what did he have? Let me. He had ten home runs no, last he, season. Yeah, you well, know? you got to remember. You got to remember. Last year, he also had the. Um, yeah, and he sus- missed. He, sus- I know he missed half the season. Yeah, with the suspension. So. And what was um, he suspended for? <laughs> PEDs, man. Yeah. So, yeah. I wonder how a thirty-six-year-old will play without the PEDs. Just, no, you know, but he, hit, but he there. hits. Yeah, he may he not. Hits. He may not have the the thirty-five, forty home run power anymore. Um, but if he if he hits three hundred and hits twenty-five home runs for them. That's that's fine. That's good for them. Uh, it's an upgrade from what they had last year. Um, then you got Ramos, Wilson Ramos. Now, if he got again, he's got to stay healthy. But we know he hits. We've seen it here with the Phillies for for a cup of coffee last year. Uh, I like Michael Conforto a lot. Talk about a guy who gets on base a ton and he can hit thirty home runs. Um, I think Ahmed Rosario is going to be a good shortstop. I mean, he's you know didn't didn't show it just yet in his first two seasons but he's still only 23 and he's I, I liked him in the second half of last year if you remember when the Phillies uh, started to have their collapse and uh, they had that doubleheader game against the Mets yeah. where they gave up I think whatever 20 runs in that game when Kingery and Quinn were pitching um, Rosario was a stud in that game and then it, it kind of jump-started him for a while he actually played well uh, over the course of about six weeks and you can really start to see that bat coming around and I'm a fan of a guy like Jeff McNeil. Like I, even though he's 27 and you know came out of nowhere last year, I think he's a smart hitter. So I think I, I think their lineup is decent. Um, and I oh I forgot to mention Brandon Nimmo, who's a, a nice little player too. So they don't have much of a bench. Um, I, I don't. I'm not in love with their bullpen. I mean I know they got Edwin Diaz, which is you know he's a stud closer. Uh, they brought Jaris Familia back. I'm, I'm not a fan. Um, and the rest of that bullpen is just mediocre pedestrian whatever you want to you know whatever adjective you want to use there so you have them under but not by much you but think not that they're a, a yeah. 500 team or maybe a tick better yeah that's about it okay uh now let's move on to the washington nationals their number is set at 89 uh yeah. where are you at on the washington nationals that's a tough number and and, and it's a tough number because i think that that's right about where they're going to be um, and, and by the way, it's 88 and a half in Vegas. It's about yeah. the same, right? Um, uh, if I had to, if I had to, I probably, I would not touch that one. 
um, if I'm getting giving betting advice. I See, I, I think that the they're Nationals. due for a bounce back. I mean, 89 is a tough number, but I like the Nationals in general. I well, think I do when too. You, when you look at those three starting pitchers, you know, Patrick Corbin's the real deal. I mean, there's a reason that he got the money that he got. I, I mean, he's a big-time strikeout guy. Uh, the slider is one of the best pitches in baseball. His slider is one of the best pitches in baseball. And then you pair him with Strasburg, who, again, you have to put the, the standard qualifier in there if he stays healthy. And then Scherzer, for my money, I know DeGrom was your, your Cy Young a year ago, but if I had to go get a game from a guy in the National League right now, it would be Max Scherzer for me. And then you look at guys like Soto in that lineup, Rendon in that lineup, and I just think that they're, they have to – they're just too talented to have a season like they had a year ago. And I know they lost Bryce Harper. And not only did they lose Bryce Harper, but they lost him to a division rival. I, I think that there's going to be a little bit of like a rallying cry with that team where they say, like, we did not need him. And I think you're going to see them play a little bit of a different brand of baseball this year. And I think that they're going to be a really good team. I they, think gonna, they scare the shit yeah, out of me. They're going to be a good team, Bob. But, again, and this is the reason why I'm not going – you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs for the Phillies right now either is because it's the best division in baseball. It's the deepest division in baseball. And and because of that, I don't I have a hard time thinking that these teams who are going to play each other 18, 19 times a year are going to dominate each other. Other than the Marlins, it's the only team that anybody's going to beat with regularity. You know, it's very simple or very conceivable that everybody else kind of goes 500 against each other. And if, with that being said, with in that many games, it's hard to get to that 90-win number. Yeah, I and, totally and so agree you, with that. I think that the key for either the Phillies or the Nationals to get to 90 wins will be playing well against the NL East, which is something that the Phillies have simply not done in recent seasons. That will be, I think, the, the key factor to this whole thing. And when you play the Marlins, and you're talking about 18 games against the Marlins, like you can't go 11-8. and eight. It's got to be... You know, it's got to be 13 wins against a team yeah. like that. And in the past, in the past few seasons, it really hasn't been. The Phillies have not taken advantage of teams like that, and so I think that that's going to be the determining factor and whether you know really who wins the division. Frankly, because I do think that these teams will have some success outside of the division. It's just going to be who gets the upper hand once they're they're within it. Right, and that's and that's why I think that it's very conceivable that a team can win this division with 88-89 wins, which is a low number for a division winner, but be a lot better than that record would indicate. And and I think that that's a realistic possibility this year in the in the NL East. And I if I had a pick right now, I would pick I would pick Washington to win the division. I, I I've been well, hold Tossing on. We didn't. We didn't get to everybody yet. What? Oh. We still. We still have another. We still have okay. two more teams. Well, well, all right. So, but <laughs> uh, if I had to pick an over or an under, I would. I would pick. I would pick over. But really, I. I don't want to. Reluctantly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 There's just not a ton of value it. there. I get it. Yeah. Uh, and that brings us to the Florida Marlins, or the Miami Marlins, or whatever the hell they are right now. Are they back to Florida? Where are they? No, they're Miami. Yeah, the Miami, Miami Marlins. Yeah. Uh, 63 and a half. <laughs> um, yeah, I got to say, I, I think that that may be generous, frankly. I think that the Marlins are a 100-loss team. Yeah, probably. Um, I th- there's not even a lot to like there. I mean, I, I you know, they have a couple of young yeah, guys. Yeah, Alfaro. <laughs> they have got, a couple of young guys. He's got um, raw power and potential and a good you know arm. Who I like, you know who I like on their team? And I, I, my son's got me coming around on this guy, Brian Anderson. Yeah, uh, nice little, fine. nice little player. 
Nice little player. player. Just, he, yeah. Yeah, he's going to he's going to pl- probably play the third base for them this year, but he can mm-hmm. play multiple spots. Good hitter, nice bat. He's just turning 26. He's about to enter his prime. I wonder how long he lasts there. <laughs> yeah, this is tough. I mean, so they have Curtis Granderson out there. They have uh, Lewis Brinson, who was a big-time prospect with the Rangers for a while. Um, and, and then Milwaukee after that. And Milwaukee. And, yeah. you know, he's actually one of the guys that they feature in their marketing down there. Like, if you actually uh, you check out the Marlins' Twitter and stuff, yeah. you see a lot of Lewis Brinson. Um, I don't know. Starlin Castro, Martin Prado, Neil Walker. And it's just this is a, this is a bad team. It's a very um, bad team. You remember Sergio Romo with the Giants. He's out in the bullpen there. Uh, you got <laughs> Jose Urania, uh, who who was terrible, although he, he seemed to have a field day with the Phillies a couple times last season. He's their ace. Yeah. I mean, Wee Yin Chen. These guys, this team sucks. Yeah, they're uh, terrible. They're, they're, to me, they, uh, the they only, could be the a potentially 105 loss yeah, team. Yeah, the only young pitcher that's going to be in their rotation this year that I kind of think has a bit of a future for them is Sandy Alcantara. Um and he's, uh, I guess he's like 23, um, right-hander, throws hard. Um, he'll probably be somewhere in their rotation. But really, that's it. Uh, beyond beyond that, I don't know. I mean, all their best prospects are still way the hell down in the minors. Yeah. They don't have anybody and, even close. Uh, yeah, like Sixto Sanchez. Um, yeah. So that's about as much Marlins talk as I think we're going to do on this podcast this season. Uh, and then, obviously, that brings us to the Phillies, who are at 89 wins. And, uh, you know, let's get to the portion of the program here where I guess we, we make some predictions about the Phillies. And let's start with that. Um, 89, strong number. We talked about it's a strong number with the Nationals. Great division here, or what we suspect will be a very good division. Where are you at on the Phillies uh, and this number? I'm going. I'm going under, uh, and I don't want that to be taken as pessimism. Well, um, I am. So defend yourself. Well, yeah. Uh, what you, you you think I'm pessimistic by saying I'm going under 89? Um, 110 but... wins now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, if I had a pick, if you say to me today, Anthony, what's their record going to be at the end of the season? I'm going to tell you that they're going to be 87 and 75. That's that's my pick for the for the season. And, and that's not a bad year. Um, is it enough to get into the playoffs? It might be. It might be wild card worthy. Um, and look, if they get one or two or three more wins than what I say, then they could win the division with 90. They could go 90 and 72, win this division. Uh, I, I think 87 and 75 is right about where they'll be. Um, and we'll, we'll, we should be happy with that. We should be. If they finish 87 and 75 – whether they make the playoffs or not, I think that you say we're we're getting there. We're we're almost there. We we might be next next year. Might be the year that they that they can go to the World Series. So I, I don't I don't have a problem with it. I, I'm good with 87 wins. I think we've talked a lot about what the Phillies currently have in terms of roster composition. We know what the lineup is. We know that there's some weaknesses in the starting rotation, or at the very least, question marks. And certainly, uh, the the bullpen I think is is going to be. A quality bullpen. The one thing that I always look at when we evaluate these over-unders is the potential to add in season. And when I look at the Braves, certainly there are um, quite a few prospects that that they have that they could leverage in trades. Yep. Um, The Nationals are kind of up against it in terms of money. I, I think that they're sort of in the same boat as the Phillies. I, I know the Phillies have a little bit of wiggle room financially, but I don't know that they have the prospect package to net uh, an impact player 
at the July trade deadline. So of these teams, to me, the reason why I look at the 84.5 with the Braves and say, I might be willing to lean over is, number one, they were really good a year ago, and I think that we sort of forgot this because we expect this veteran Nationals team to bounce back, and we, we have all the hype with the Phillies. But the Braves are still very good, um, and not only that, I think that they have the ability to add in July. So that's the thing that kind of gives me pause with the Braves. In terms of the Phillies, I think that if they can get guys that are on salary dump, so to speak, I mean, they do possess some useful prospects at this point, but I just don't know how willing they're going to be in terms of going out and, and hammering down that big-time deal at the July trade deadline. Now, apparently part of the ne- negotiation process with Bryce Harper was a guarantee that they would be willing to do that. Right, But we don't know who those players are going to be at this point, and, and really we don't know what their needs are going to be. I suspect it will be a starting pitcher. Will the Phillies be willing to do it? I, I suspect so, but do they have enough to get it done? That part I'm not sure about. So yeah. when I look at 89, that's a tough number. It really is. I think I'm with you on this. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing. I mean, don't forget, like I, like I had mentioned, that's a, that's a jersey number, right? I mean, out in Vegas, it's at 83. Um, so you, you kind of let's split the difference between the two and, and let's get to the 86, right? I mean, that's kind of about the difference. That, to me, is a more reasonable number for an over-under. And I say, sit there and say, yeah, I would, I, would, I would struggle to pick an over-under with 86, even though I think it's going to be above. If you give me 89, I'll take the under. If you give me 83, well, damn right, I'll take the over. Um, and it's a good thing that you point that out, that you, you mentioned that uh, they might not have the, the capital uh, to get the, the the players, obviously, we talked about the Braves having a ton of prospects. You know, the, the one thing that the Nationals did, you, you, you said, you know, w- well, we don't know what they are looking at financially. They might be a little bit more strapped than the Phillies. They may, but if you're talking about a guy who is a rental, you know, uh, soon to be unrestricted free agent, you know, to, to add to their either their lineup or their rotation or their bullpen, the one thing about the Nationals is is that they've accumulated some really good young shortstops in their system. As a matter of fact, they have four shortstops in their system who are ranked uh, in their prospect rankings, um, led by Carter Kaboom, uh, and then they got that Luis Garcia, um, and there's a couple other guys too as well. I mean, but they have four ranked guys at, at a premium position, um, and, and so you talk about being able to say, all right, we can part with one of them and get something that we need. I think that that's, that's a reasonable thing to think. So, so I, I do put the Phillies third behind the Braves and the Nationals as far as being able to go out and get what they need. You know, I think that the, the, those other two teams have more uh, at their disposal than the Phillies do. Um, prediction? Are you asking me where, where, where they're finishing in the division? Yes. I, I it's this is tough. I I'm still going to stick with what I've been saying all along and I'm going to have them third. I have Washington I think it's going to be such a close race. I think it's going to be a great race. I really do. I think it'll go Washington, Atlanta, Phillies all within two three games of each other. I mean, really. I I can see it being like 90-88-87. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take wins. the Phillies to finish in second place behind the Nationals. I'm going to say that the Phillies, uh, I'll go 87, and I think that they will win the first wild card and host the wild card game. Uh, that's that's my. Well, I, what, what, that's my hunch. It wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility that the Phillies and Braves, who are playing game one 
on Thursday play, play game 163 yeah. <laughs> to yep. decide who goes to the division series. I mean, I think that that's a realistic possibility too. Um, I think all th- I think three playoff teams can come out of this division. I know the Central's got a couple good teams. I mean, it's going to be a good race there with Chicago and St. Louis and Milwaukee. Um, but I don't think that I don't think that any of those teams, maybe the Cubs, but uh, but I don't think St. Louis or Milwaukee compare to Philadelphia, Washington, Atlanta. Yeah, and then out so, west you have the the Dodgers, the obviously, Dodgers. and I think the Dodgers. I don't know. I don't know if it's just Dodgers fatigue, but I kind of just feel like that the ship may have sailed. And I know that it's hard to say that when you have a team that's major market spends the money that they do, and and certainly has the talent that the Dodgers have. I just feel like this isn't the year uh you might be able to circle back and and highlight that as a terrible take but i just i don't i'm not phased by the dodgers i don't you, know what it is you're buying colorado is that what you're buying yeah i think so uh, i actually i think there's some there's some serious value in them i think that they're like plus 2500 uh at DraftKings to win the the national league uh, to win the National League, actually, um, and you have uh, the the Dodgers are like plus eight hundred, the Phillies are plus one thousand, the Rockies are a little bit of a longer shot, but I I do kind of like them a little bit. Well, I love their lineup. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I you know Charlie Blackman. I've always liked Charlie Blackman. The guy can just freaking hit. Arenado is my pre- if I had to pick somebody to win MVP preseason, I, I, that's who I would pick. Oh, uh, let me stop you right there. Pause. Uh. Pause. <laughs> Speaking of uh, MVP odds, oh, we're going we're to go off, off track, but go ahead. Yeah, Bryce Harper checks in at plus 400 with another local DraftKings special. Uh, Nolan Arenado, plus 800. So, according to DraftKings, Nolan Arenado uh, is is two times less likely than Bryce Harper to win the NL MVP, which is crazy town. I mean, that's just absolutely absurd. It is. Uh, Manny Machado, plus 1,400. And uh, how about Reese Hoskins checking in at plus 2,000 yeah. part of the conversation? He's, he's going to drive in 120 runs this year. He very well may, yeah. I think I mean, Reese Hoskins may be about to become a household name uh, yeah. for, the, for the household still watching baseball. Yeah. Um, but, no, I, I mean, I like the, I like the Colorado lineup. I, I just don't, I don't know if I can pick them to win anything with that pitching staff. I mean, it, what do you got there? I mean, Kyle Freeland came out of nowhere last year to have a good season. But, I mean, is he really that every year? And then the rest of the rotation is German Marquez, or Herman, uh, Tyler Anderson, John Gray, Chad Bettis. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. And then the bullpen. I mean, yeah, you got Wade Davis. All right, fine. But the rest of their bullpen is is kind of crap, too. Well, I think that it kind of starts with Freeland. If he can replicate what he did at age 25 this season, then I think that, that, that there's a chance for them to be pretty competitive. He was about as good as it gets in the National League once you get past the Grom, Scherzer, Nola, and, and maybe Corbin. He was probably the, the fifth or sixth best starting pitcher in the NL last season, um, and really in his second full season. So I think that he has a lot of upside, a lot of promise. And to, to put up the numbers that he did pitching half of his games at Coors Field, I think that you have to take that into consideration too. But again, uh, there's not a sustained track record of success there, so we really don't know, uh, even though he's certainly a promising kid. If, I, if he can do that, then I think that they're that they have a chance. Just simply because of how well they play at home, because of the offense, they would be in the conversation. And like I said, I just kind of feel like the Dodgers are 
I don't know, man. I think that they're a bunch of busters, dude. I like San Diego better than I like Colorado. Wow, year. really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I, I get it. San Diego is, is I think, going to be part of the conversation unless they, they screw it up, which they've been known to do. But unless they, they screw it up, I think that they're going to be a serious part of the, the NL conversation in terms of contenders over the next five to eight years with all the prospects they have in that system. I don't yeah. see it yet, though. I, I don't see it this year. Tatis made the, made the opening day roster. Yeah, as he should have. Yeah. It's nice, nice um, to see. It's kind of refreshing almost. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, you know, you got him and Machado on, on the left side of the infield. Um, you got a couple veterans on the other side, and Hosmer and um, Ian Kinsler, for what it's worth. I mean, he's only a placeholder at this point for, the, for Luis Urias. Uh, Will Myers, who was a, you know, longtime top prospect, and you know, he's a veteran now, but he's still only 28 years old, um, still a pretty good player. Hunter Renfro's got crazy power. I mean, he's home run or bust, but, I mean, you know, he's out there. Um I guess the the only other spot that they really don't have, you know, they don't really don't have a center fielder. I mean, they, they're kind of platoon Manny Margot and Franchi Cordero. I mean, that's the one spot that they're kind of missing. Oh, and Francisco Mejia made the uh, made the team as a catcher. I don't know if he'll start ahead of Austin Hedges, but um, made the team. So they like Austin Hedges. They talk about how great of a receiver he is. He's and, very good defensively. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Mejia can hit. So the question is, who's going to play more? That's you know, he was a prospect. He was a guy that they got in the trade when they traded Brad Hand to Cleveland. Um, you know, Mejia came over as part of that deal. So, I don't know. I you know, and then they got you know Fran Mil Reyes, who's got a lot of power too. Really had a great spring. Had a nice year last year. Their starting pitching is where I I worry about San Diego. They don't really have a, a name there, but they're coming. They're, they're, that's where you talk about the prospects coming. That's where they're coming. Um, well, so to circle back, I guess what you're telling me is that you think that the the other divisions really lack depth, and thus that you think that three NL East teams could reach the postseason. I do. Okay. I do. Okay. I, I, um, I do. That's I think. A, that's I think. A, that's a bold prediction, some would say. Uh, which will, sure. You know, like how I'm doing this transition thing, I, I got good. that from Russ. I, I think that's like Russ's his his hallmark, really. <laughs> um, let's talk about this. I had I texted you earlier today, and I said, you know, when we record tonight, I want you to come up with three bold predictions for the 2019 fills. And so, I guess the best way to do this would be uh, you give one, and then I'll give one, and we can we can talk about them and and just okay. kind of trade back and forth here. All right, so you want me to go first? Yeah, you can go first. All right, I'm, I'm going to drop the bomb on you first. I'll go with the big, my big, bold prediction first. Okay. My big, bold prediction is this, that come the end of the season, when we look back at the 2019 season, we will find that for this year alone, and I'm not talking long term, I'm just talking for this year, that JT Realmuto has a bigger impact than Bryce Harper on this season. Um, do you think that he will have a better offensive output? Well, I mean, again, it depends on how we're it, it, it depends on how we're defining offensive output. I mean, I I think Bryce Harper is going to hit thirty five home runs and maybe drive in a hundred, but I still think Bryce Harper is going to hit two forty. Wow, you think he's going to forty? Yeah. I have I mean, like 260, 265, but okay. Even if, even if he hits that, I mean, I think Real Muto is going to be a three hundred hitter or close to it, um, and he's going to hit. I think he's going to have forty doubles and twenty five to thirty home runs, and I think he's going to be a beast in the middle of the lineup. 
And I just think that I think that he's a guy that's going to be when we look back at it, look at all the free agents that they've signed, the tra- people they traded for for the 2019 season. Now, I think ultimately Harper will be the the bigger play long term. I just think this season the guy that's going to make the biggest difference is going to be Real Muto. I, I might agree with that, actually. I, I think that people underestimate the park factors and what he had to do down in Miami, hitting yep. in a lineup with nothing. Uh, you come to this stadium and with this lineup, and I, I definitely see the potential for him to have a huge season. So I, I, I'm on board with that. Uh, along that, that same vein, uh, this wasn't where I was going to start, but because you mentioned him, uh, I will tell you that I think that the Phillies will have three All-Stars this uh, season, and I think that okay. one will be Aaron Nola. I think he'll continue his dominance uh, in the first half of this season and be recognized for it. Uh, I think that the second player will be JT Real Muto. Um, and then I also think, and this is the, the bold part of it, I think that the Phillies' third All-Star this season will be Odubel Herrera. Not Bryce Harper. Not Bryce Harper. Wow, that is bold. Yes. I like it though. I like. I think. I think Odubel's going to have a nice year. I. I'm in agreement with you that he's going to have a good year. Um, I have a hard time believing that Harper is not an All Star. I mean, he's going to get voted in. I think it, they're doing that new election thing. Yeah, I know. Well, so that aside, <laughs> like in a normal year, like I would tell you that I think that those three guys, or I'll amend this. Here I am already backpedaling, but I'll amend this and I'll say that these three guys make the All Star team. And you're right. Even if Bryce Harper hits two thirty, two forty, he's he's probably making the All Star team. Yeah. Uh, although I I think we'll get crickets in in Washington. You know, I don't think there's going to be too many people <laughs> punch. In the ballot for Bryce uh, down in DC, but no, no, I agree. I agree with you there. Yeah, I agree. I'm, with you. I'm, right, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to say I'm interested to see how that election thing plays out because I'm not, and I don't care. But at the same time, I I'm curious as to the impact a little bit. I suppose, like uh-huh. how different that'll be. Uh, Major League Baseball's god awful at marketing its players. They think that this will alleviate the problem. I'm skeptical. So something to keep an eye on. Um. All right. Another another uh, bold prediction. Um. Again, by by the time we get to the end of the season, Vince Velazquez will have less starts, fewer starts than Jared Eikhoff. Okay, can I? Uh, I'm not going to tell you whether or not I agree. Let me just give you my second poll prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Vince Velazquez will be out of the rotation by June 1st. Okay, so I think we may be on the same page there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think so. I mean, I, I I don't think that he lasts in the rotation. I think that, you know, he's fallen to five. And last year, even with this same group of five guys, he was three to start the season, if you recall. In and all fairness, he did have like this two-month stretch last season where, where he, he was really, well. really good. Yeah. And to the point where I was making apologies on the show because we were killing him in <laughs> April. And yep. I said, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe he finally turned the corner. No. Nah. So, we'll we'll see. I I don't know if the answer is Jared Eichoff. I like that. That's your take. Um, that's cool. But I I definitely I'm with you. Now let me ask you this as a follow up to your your prediction. Yeah. Um, does he get uh, made into a lights out closer with his power arm and and all that, or do you think uh, Velasquez? This, yeah. Or do we just kind of is this just him? This is it. I think they might give him a shot in the bullpen, but I don't think that he. I don't necessarily know if he becomes that because I don't think he has that. I don't think his fastball is that overpowering. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that that is the biggest misperception of, of Phillies fans over the last two years. Like, just make him a setup guy. Make him a closer. It's not that simple. And his ability yeah. or inability to consistently locate pitches 
you know, and, and leave pitches out over the middle of the plate would be a nightmare scenario in the eighth and ninth inning. So, I, I don't know. I'm I, I'm a, I'm in agreement with you on this one. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So look at that. So we got we got one that was almost exactly the same. All right. Now I mean I mean I, and the only reason I put Eikhoff is because I'm not certain that there's another pitcher in the yeah, system who's I, ready I to come in and and take a take on a large enough role to be a regular in the rotation. Yeah, it I would mean, seemingly be him by default. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about briefly about Drew Anderson <laughs> on the last episode. Um, I, I don't know, maybe, um, you know, and Yaldela Santos. But other than that, I mean, who else is really ready to come in and and, and be a regular yeah, starting I, I don't pitcher. know if spring training was any indication, and not that uh, Cole he Irvin. was lights out, but yeah, Cole Irvin maybe. But De Los Santos, I think, may may be the guy that gets the first crack at that. But let's we'll save that for another day. Yeah, yeah. So all right, anyway, uh, and what's your uh, third and final one? My third and final one is the most underrated player on this team this year. Um, will be Scott Kingery. Ooh. Okay. I think Scott Kingery is going to become. We know uh, we've had all these comparisons right in the past. Dustin Pedroia, right? I mean, you know, that's that's the kind of player he's going to be. Um, I don't think necessarily he's going to be that anymore. And then we talked about. It and I said, well, what if he's a value? What if his value is is somebody like Marwin Gonzalez, where you know maybe you know he's just kind of a good utility player, can play anywhere in the field. And maybe eventually gives you one or two great seasons, but are mostly, you know, decent and average seasons. And you said, "Yeah, I'd take that." I'm going to give you a different a different comp. I'm going to give. I, 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 I've I've changed my mind on on who he is. All right, I'm ready for you. What if he's Ben Zobrist? Oh, I would sign up for that all day. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> peak, and I and that's Ben what, Zobrist. I'm in. Uh, and I think that he could end up being that kind of player. I'm not saying this season he will be he will put up Ben Zobris numbers, but I certainly think that he will have a lot of value to this team, whether he's playing some third, playing some second, spelling the guys in the corners, whatever the case might be. I think Scott Kingery is going to end up with 400, 450 plate appearances overall, somewhere in that range. And I think he's going to hit you, you know, in the 270 range, maybe a 335, 340 on base. And you sit there and say, wow, this guy actually has been a, a very valuable part of this team. Um, steal some bases, whatever. And, you know, kind of just looked at him as a bench guy. But he's going to be a little bit more than just a bench guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm into that. I, I would sign up for that all day. Um, he gets into that. If I always look at OPS. I just like that to simplify things. If the OPS yeah. creeps up into the high 700s, as it did with, with Zobris for multiple seasons, and, and in some cases even to the low 800s, uh, that's something that, that I think yeah. that the Phillies would be pretty pleased with at this point. I agree. I agree, and and, and it's, it's good that he can play multiple positions, and that's and that's huge. Um, that versatility is huge, and I, I think he's gonna he's gonna get a lot of time. Um, I, I don't like their I don't like a, like their bench a lot. Uh, I like Kingery, but I think he's gonna play more than be on the bench. To be honest with you, um, and Nick Williams is fine. And Aaron Altair is not a major league baseball player. <laughs> He's terrible. Yeah, he sucks. And He's terrible. He had a big day on Sunday, and you know that's all fine and well. Um, it, but he just—I mean, his spring training numbers. I think he ends up in the high two hundreds because he finished like four of his last five. But I mean, he, for most of the spring, he hit around two hundred. He was miserable last season. Way too many strikeouts. 
Um, just not a guy that I'm, I'm real bullish on. Now, obviously, I understand the athleticism. I understand that he can play center field. Um, but I just I don't I don't get it. And uh, I'm a little disappointed that that this is still where we're at in terms of the bench depth. Yeah. Um, OK, let, let me give you this one. And I guess at the end of the day, when you talk about the volatility of relievers, this maybe isn't isn't completely insane. But I think that a lot of people will be taken aback by this. Uh, Hector Naris will have a better season than Sir Anthony Dominguez. I like it. I agree with you. <laughs> oh, come on, man. I wanted you to I, tell me I'm an, an asshole and don't know what I'm well, talking I, I, about. Uh, we'll, let, we'll, we'll let the fans tell you that because they're going to be the ones that disagree with you. But I think it's a very astute baseball perspective. Yeah, like, um, so, so hear me out on this. Um, go ahead. So Sir Anthony Dominguez in the second half of last season. Now, again, rookie here. First full major league season or first full, you know, going through the grind of things. He sees certain teams, you know, two, three times. They make adjustments. I thought that the Phillies uh, did not use him properly in the early going with the multi-inning appearances. I think all of those things kind of contributed to a fatigue in the second half. But in the second half of the season, over 24 and a third innings pitch, he had a 4.81 ERA. He walked 17 batters, gave up 16 hits. The walk rate tripled. The K rate dropped from 34% to 29%. And the whip jumped from 0.65 to 1.32. Sir Anthony Dominguez was not a good relief pitcher in the second half of the season. He still held opponents to like a 200 or maybe I think actually like a 180 batting average against. So he was still tough to hit, but he allowed a ton of base runners, and he got hurt, and he blew important games for the Phillies really in August, and, and it stopped really mattering in September, but it was a struggle for him. Hector Naris, uh, you know, was almost booed out of Major League Baseball at the end of June last season, went down to the minor leagues, allowed a run in his first start, but then he really started to figure things out. He comes back up in mid-August. He get, pitches 17 and two-thirds innings from mid-August on. On 2.04 ERA, only walks five batters, allows 11 hits. His K rate was 50% in the second half when he came back up. So every other batter he faced, he struck out, and he had a 0.91 whip. He was the better pitcher for the last two months of the season a year ago, and I expect him to be the better pitcher this season. He's got experienced, and I will also tell you that Sir Anthony Dominguez, though he was okay, in spring training, the velocity is down a tick, and I'm a little bit concerned about that. I don't know if he's saving it for you know March 28th or what the deal is, but not that I think he's going to have a nightmare season or be as bad as he was in the second half a year ago, but I just think that Hector Naris is going to have a better season. Yeah, I, and I think that I think that you're pretty pretty spot on there. Um, yeah, I mean, I that's you know even there's even more. I, I think. Sir Anthony Dominguez is I think he flames out quickly. I think that he's I think he's good in his in the first, you know, X number of pitches that he has. And then if you if he once he reaches a, a certain point, I think he becomes a, a problem. Which is amazing considering that they identified a strength of his to be that he could go multiple innings. That was like initially one of the the perks of Sir Anthony Dominguez, uh, okay. one of the Here pluses. Yeah, and I'll give it to you. I know, I know, and it's not good. I found it. Here it is. Pitches 1 through 25. Uh, Batters hit 142 against him uh, with a 472 OPS, 230 on base. Anything after pitch 25, batters hit 357, 500 on base, 857 OPS. It's amazing. 
Do they have uh, the distribution of pitches? Like how many how many was one to twenty five, and how many pitches or how many innings were completed after tw- pitch twenty five? Uh, like, are we talking like an extraordinarily small it, sample size? Or? It is a small it is a small sample, but um, but it, it you know I got I would have to really find uh, each individual situation where he went multiple innings because and, and that's not a surprise. I mean, if you watched them a year ago, I think that you would almost have guessed that. You know, sometimes the numbers betray what your eyes see, but in this case, you kind of went, man, like, it just looks like he's fading, he's fading, he's fading, and, and the longer he stayed in games, it seemed like the less success he had. Yeah, I, I would have to look at his, uh, I would have to look at the each individual, I was just looking at splits, I would ha- I'll have to look at the game logs um, to see any time it went more than an inning, um, you know, I th- I'm pretty sure that when he went more than an inning, after a while, it was not good. Um. Like the first, like you know, he was lights out at the very beginning of the year, but then once once he got touched up for the first time, any time after that, I think that he went multiple innings. He gave up gave up a run, gave up hits. Um, yeah, and it, it might be a little bit unfair to say like, oh, well, he wasn't as good in the second half as he was in the first because he happened to be almost historically good at the start of his major league career. But that's why I kind of threw out some of the numbers there to sort of outline how mediocre to really below average he was down the stretch. Uh, because, you know, we understand that the, the production that he had that first month, when did he come up, May or in, May into 7th. June? Yeah, so May and June, he was just... He was incredible. He seemed like the next big thing, almost. Uh, and, and I did not expect him to sustain that. There was going to be some type of regression to the meme with him, but I didn't expect that extent of regression. Yeah. He had 17 games where he pitched more than one inning. Um, and, and I'm what? hoping that that usage or that misusage is what contributed or was the, the primary contributing factor to his struggles down the stretch because the Phillies better hope so. Yeah, but it's hard to. Uh, it, I'm not. I'm having a hard time finding the actual. Yeah. Splits. So now, do you have a? Uh, do you have anything else for us? We we've clipped the hour mark. We're here. It's twelve fifty one a.m. because we can't record a show uh, unless it, it it spans two days. So. No, I. I we're right at our normal stop time. Uh, I'll go out and edit this and send it over to Russ and hit yeah. the pillow around one forty five. And that's yeah. all good. No, I don't. I don't have. Uh, I don't have anything uh, specific that okay. I wanted to, that I wanted to jump into. I think that's that's pretty good. So let's agree to this on air. Like, uh, what, what do the Flyers play next week? Because I, I have Monday circled. We did the Mondays last year, and I yeah, like no that. Monday. You know, Mondays, we can react Mondays to the good. opening series, right? And then we can talk about Bryce heading south and visiting his old friends in Washington. It's amazing yeah. how early in the season we get to play out that little narrative. No. So that should be a fun trip, and so we'll have a lot to talk about. I'm sure. Um, if, if last season was any indication, we would have a lot to talk about after the second inning. Uh, so we'll, we yeah. didn't really talk about Gabe Kapler tonight. Uh, no hot takes on Gabe. No, uh, no have, bold predictions about Gabe. But I'm sure come Monday we'll have some things to say about Gabe Kapler. So we could, we could maybe, maybe we'll be praising him. Maybe yeah. we'll be saying, look, look, I look think at him. We are. Look at, you know, look at him leaving everything, leaving everything alone, and just letting the team be. Actually, real uh, quick, I, I, let me just get this in about Gabe. Uh, you know, so I I go on. Well, actually, not really. It really has nothing to do with Gabe. I want to talk more about Bryce Harper. Uh, before we were <laughs> before I lied. before I we go, to I just want Bryce to talk about Bryce. <laughs> so um, before we started up tonight, Bryce Harper posted on Instagram. Do you have Instagram, man? I do, but I barely use it. Okay. I, so, uh, I follow so. Bryce. I know that that's probably pretty hard for you to believe. 
Uh, and so he posts, he's got a black and white photo of him holding two baseball bats, actually three baseball bats, two in his left hand and one in his right. It looks very powerful, very manly. And uh, he's emerging from the dugout, and uh, he, he looks like almost uh, like the sun is shining upon him. And, and the quote that he has, his caption is, How I long to see these things, semicolon, how I long to see the Liberty Bell and the party on the streets where Bobby Clark, comma, Nick, quotation marks, B.D. Foles, I believe that stands for Big uh, <clears throat> Dong, yeah. and uh, Chase Utley had partied, exclamation point, hashtag family, P.H. family. Uh, <laughs> any response to that? Yeah, you know what? I, I, can I say something about that? Do you think show. he hires someone to do I'm gonna, this? I'm going to say, here's where I'm gonna, people are going to get pissed off at me, but mm-hmm. that's all right. It's it's 1 o'clock in the morning. Screw it. I don't care. Um, I, I think he's going too far with this. I think this is a marketing ploy. I'm not, I don't think he's hired someone to do it. I think this is him doing it. I, I think that he's very good at social media. I mean, always was. I give him a lot of credit for that. Um, and I give him a lot of credit for, you know, tying himself into the fans and, and really kind of being that, you know, that guy. Um, but I think we're going a little bit too far with this Philadelphia thing. Like I think that yeah, it was he's really hamming it up here. Like, yeah, I mean he he did it at his press conference. Bobby and Clark. Did, I mean, come on, come on, dude. Well, he referenced them. Yeah. He referenced it at his opening press conference. Even if he says like, flyers. I mean, even if like you go like, okay, Broad Street bullies. Like if you do like your little cursory glance at Philly sports, yeah. like fine. But like Bobby Clark for real. Yeah. Also, this is, by the way, like. Where Bobby Clark partied, like was that like Rexy's in Audubon? Like, I yeah. mean, you know, come on. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> what, what, what do you mean used to party? Yeah. Uh, well, if you if you paid attention to <laughs> the Snow the Goalie podcast when we had Bobby Clark on, uh, Russ and I talking to him, and we talked about trade deadline day, and he said, "We said, you know, well, what's it what's it like as soon as it's over?" He said, "Yeah, me and the guys went over to Rexy's, yeah. <laughs> had a few drinks, and talked about who did who got better and who got yeah, worse." Rexy's has very good pizza, <laughs> but I got to tell you, Bryce, I don't think you want to be one down the streets of Audubon on the Black Horse Pike <laughs> at night party, and I think that's not going to end too well. So, yeah, yeah I no, think I, that he's definitely playing this up a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I play into all that stuff. Like, I went and I posted it right away. I think I said, like, this is everything I've ever wanted in my life. Like, I, I think that as long as, he, as long as he plays well, this is all great, and we'll all eat it up and we'll all spend our money on Bryce Harper. <laughs> but, you know, he struggles this season, and I think people are going to get a really – they're going to be annoyed by this stuff pretty quickly, but for now, I'm I'm all right with it. You know, he is very very good at social media, though. I will give him that. Yes, I don't yes, know that is. I've ever seen a player pull at the heartstrings of the crowd quite like he has in the very short amount of time he's been here. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, uh, I agree completely. Um, but I worry, I worry that that's, you know, it's it's just cry, it's trying to just. Hey, look, I get it. He's trying. He's trying to, you know, build that relationship with the fans and, and get them all on his side right at the beginning. Um, but I worry that that might not be enough to to hold up if it doesn't. If he gets off to a slow start, yeah. for example, I think, you know what I I'm think saying? fans will give him a couple weeks. But if this, you know, goes into June or something like that, it could be an issue. If he, what if he has? I, I'm going to ask you this now. Don't See, you this, do it. Stay positive. Stay positive. Well, just, just, just want to say. What if he has a Carlos Santana April? <laughs> like lots of warning track flyouts and walks and uh, yeah, 
<sighs> yeah, what if he has a Carlos Santana April? Turns I am around not, after I that. I refuse to answer that question. I'm not doing well, it. I'm just curious to see what the town will be like. Yeah, well, you can stay curious. I'm not answering that. <laughs> <laughs> because I think they will turn on him quickly. Stop. That's what I'm worried about. That's Stop. and that's and that's not that's not Bryce's fault. It's not his fault. It's not. It's just that we have become such a such a city where we just latch on to whatever we can and everything's the, this great optimism and then as soon as it just as soon as we realize it's not as great as we think it is everything's terrible and that's, unf- that's unfair to gonna, the players Bryce isn't going to let us down <laughs> <laughs> alright let's wrap this up I'm tired I want to go to bed I'm sure you do too All right. yes I do actually I tell really everybody about all of our great soccer podcasts yeah <laughs> we have one coming I think Russ said that there is uh, unless it came out today did it come out today? No, nah, I think uh, that uh, Crossing Broadcast actually is coming out with us today. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah all right. Uh, oh, no. It came out yesterday. There was one. Um, oh, uh, I, it I was, missed uh, it. I can't. Yeah, you, you missed It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. I'll have to listen to Kevin, it tomorrow when I wake up. With Kevin Kincaid. No, nah, Kevin uh, does a good job. I'm not, I don't mean to rib on Kevin. Soccer's no, just not my thing. He absolutely does. Um, so that came out yesterday. Check that out if you're a Philadelphia Union fan. That's that's uh, the soccer that they're talking about, MLS and the Union. Um, and then on Wednesday, Day will come out as our sh- along with ours will be the uh, flagship show, the Crossing Broadcast, um, where they talk mostly Eagles and Sixers, but you know just anything going on in Philadelphia sports. So there is some baseball talk there, there is some hockey talk there, um, but that's where you, if you're looking for your Eagles and Sixers stuff, that's usually where to find that one. Um, and then coming out on uh, Friday um, will be the next Snow the Goalie as we're getting ready to uh, you know, wrap up the Flyer season. Um, they will officially be eliminated officially officially eliminated if they lose in regulation on Wednesday night to Toronto uh, which I think is a very real possibility so um, we will be doing the uh, post-mortem for that on Friday and then I believe next week if you are interested in European soccer uh, Russ and Phil Kaidel doing Crossing Broad FC to catch you up on all of the European soccer leagues because I think there's 604 of them um, and they know every one of them and there's like 37,000 trophies that they can win in those 604 leagues so uh, anyway yeah all good stuff so uh, but anyway yes the Crossing Broad Podcast Network uh, which which I think might have some uh, I can't say it won't say it but I think there's going to be some uh, interesting news for the podcasting network coming up down the road so we'll uh, get into that as well so uh, stay tuned Um, but that's it for us for tonight thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in he's Bob I'm Anthony he's at uh, BW Crossing Broad I'm at Ant San Philly on Twitter Hit us up. Let us know what you think. And uh, thanks for being such loyal listeners to the Crossed Up podcast. Uh, We'll see you next week.